0: Welcome to today's episode of the Dear Heart and the Brain podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Wong, and i like to talk about science and science-based tools, particularly in neurobiology, exercise physiology, and the nutritional sciences. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and hit that follow button on Spotify so you never miss a single podcast episode. Today we are going to be talking about vitamin D. So. Vitamin D is something you've already generally heard of before, and it's known as the sunshine vitamin, right? Vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin from the sun, milk, and this is what helps us strengthen our bones, as you already know. And When we are exposed to sunlight, right? Vitamin D is produced by the body in response to our skin being exposed to sunlight. And yes, vitamin D also naturally occurs in some foods such as fish, egg yolks, and fortified dairy and grain products. Today, we're going to be talking about a lot. We're going to be learning a lot, alright? We're going to be talking about vitamin D deficiency. We're going to be talking about what the gold standard of measuring vitamin D is. And we're also going to be talking about the difference between vitamin D2 and D3, the HPA axis, and some molecular and cellular neuroscience related to vitamin d and i'm going to be sharing some suggestive animal model studies that reveal the importance of vitamin d in human health let's get some strong foundation going on about vitamin d okay so why is vitamin d essential for strong bones anyway right so vitamin d helps with calcium absorption bone health and immune function In fact, vitamin vitamin D deficiency has been associated with rickets, which is a disease in which the bone tissue does not properly mineralize and this leads to soft bones and skeletal deformities. How can someone be vitamin, vitamin D deficient? Well, first, this can happen if you don't consume the recommended amount of vitamins in your daily diet. As many of the natural sources are in fish and fish oils egg yolks and fortified milk second you're not getting enough sunlight your body will literally make vitamin D when your skin is in contact with sunlight and during the winter right in North America vitamin D deficiency can be more prevalent due to the less sunlight available third due to aging and other metabolic diseases, your kidney is unable to convert vitamin D to its active form or your GI tract can't adequately absorb the vitamin D. In order to know how much vitamin D is in your body, the most accurate way is through the 25-hydroxy vitamin D blood test. There's no consensus on the vitamin D levels required for optimal health as it differs depending on age and health condition. But before we head off to the next topic, I just want to mention about vitamin D supplements that your board certified physician may have encouraged you to take. And you will never find something just labeled vitamin D in the pharmacy section. It's either vitamin D2 and vitamin D3, right? And it's super important to understand these differences if you choose to take vitamin D supplements. Vitamin D2, this comes from plant sources such as wild mushrooms and fortified cereal and dairy products. On the other hand, vitamin D3, this fella, it comes from animal sources such as fatty fish, fish oil, liver, and egg yolks. When your skin is exposed to sunlight, as I already said, it will produce vitamin D3 and both Vitamin D2 and vitamin D3 are absorbed in the bloodstream where they will be metabolized by your liver into the 25-hydroxy vitamin D2 or D3. And because vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, it will form a complex in the blood called casophenidyl, and its levels will reflect your body's store of vitamin D. There have been several studies comparing whether the supplementation with vitamin D2 or D3 produces a higher level of the serum calcifendil. And a study published by the NIH conducted a study in the elderly postmenopausal women who have been identified as vitamin D deficient. And this study compared the effects of receiving a single high dose of vitamin D2 or vitamin D3 on the calcifendil levels and this study demonstrated that vitamin d3 produced about 2x the amount of serum calcifendil in the patient population another clinical trial did a 10-week program of weekly 50k iu dosing of both d2 and d3 in demographically matched groups and vitamin d3 was again found to be superior in producing higher levels of calcifedadil vitamin d toxicity is also a thing that occurs with excessively high doses which include symptoms such as nausea vomiting constipation and fatigue due to the fact that vitamin d is a fat soluble drug and you can't just urinate it out so always consult with your board certified physician for proper instruction right all right Let's talk about the fun stuff now, which is neuroscience. So, vitamin D deficiency has been associated with a wide array of behavioral and neurochemical brain alterations. In fact, research has shown that vitamin D deficiency in animal models are implicated in autism spectrum disorder and Alzheimer's disease. Let's take a closer look at the interplay between vitamin D and mood anxiety first. So. Researchers measured the participants' serum levels of 25-hydroxyvitamin D, and participants with, with 25-hydroxyvitamin D less than 40 nanomol per liter had a higher depression score on the Beck Depression Inventory. On the other hand, participants with a higher serum level of 25-hydroxyvitamin D, which were noted to be 40, nanome- 40 nanomole per liter, had lower depression scores. And it's interesting how there's an inverse relationship between circulating vitamin D and symptoms of depression. Additionally, in mice experiments, vitamin D deficiency has also been associated with impaired learning and memory, as well as hyper locomotion patterns in different rodent tests, namely the elevated plus maze test, the open field test, the whole board test. You can search up these experiments up if you're interested in learning more about them. As vitamin D deficiency seems to have an inverse association with mood and anxiety, there must be some intimate interaction between vitamin D and the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, right? That's a huge mouthful. It's called the HPA in animal models. The HPA is this highway between our hypothalamus, pituitary gland, and adrenal glands. The HPA axis is generally... Um, attributed to the body's reaction to stress and hpa axis is huge in neuroscience i'm going to be continually referring to the hpa axis throughout my many episodes so listen up because i'm about to give you maybe like a two or three minute crash course about the hpa axis all right let's go so first when something stressful happens to us let's say we're running away from a bear Our initial response is mediated by the sympathetic nervous system immediately, and it will secrete epinephrine and norepinephrine, which will increase your heart rate and breathing. And about 10 seconds later, your HPA axis will be stimulated, right? And the hypothalamus will now respond to the elevated norepinephrine levels by secreting something called corticotropin-releasing hormone, a.k.a. CRH, into the bloodstream. CRH will continue to increase the sympathetic nervous system activity and the CRH will also tell the pituitary gland like hey we gotta we gotta secrete another substance we gotta secrete adrenal tropic hormone and it's gonna go into the bloodstream and this hormone will literally travel to the adrenal glands and release the stress hormone cortisol you've definitely heard of this bad boy cortisol this negative feedback loop of the hypothalamus releasing CRH, and then the pituitary glands releasing ACTH, and then your adrenal glands releasing cortisol repeats. So all these effects on the body can be carried out in order for you to deal with whatever you're super stressed about. So how is this related to depression and mood disorders? When the HPA is super stimulated at at all times, such as when someone experiences extreme stress on a daily basis. This can lead to physical and psychiatric problems because of the elevated levels of cortisol. And high levels of cortisol have been demonstrated to have detrimental effects on memory, cognition, and mood, and this overreactive HP axis contributes to increased anxiety and other metabolic consequences. A study done in the UK in 2016 demonstrated that vitamin D supplementation helped ameliorate cardiovascular disease risk factors as evidenced by the decrease in cortisol to cortisone ratio, which, as you know, cortisol is related to the HPA axis, right? Large studies are yet to be conducted in order to verify these hypotheses and suggest the findings, but moreover research has shown that people with very low levels of vitamin D in their blood were more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia. In my studies, vitamin D3 supplementation has been shown to increase BDNF, which is this protein associated with nerve growth and and also a decrease in amyloid beta levels, and that's associated with symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. Such findings are remarkable. Giving the implications for conditions of dementia or Alzheimer's disease. However, the association between vitamin D deficiency and dementia risk is only observational, right? Vitamin D deficiency is more common among older adults because of the skin's ability to make vitamin D from the sun will decrease with age. Right? One of the last parts I'm going to talk to you today is going to be about the molecular neuroscience aspects about this vitamin D deficiency. Right. So new research suggests that vitamin D deficiency disrupts structural brain connectivity leading to leading to harming the learning and memory system by establishing these what it's called perineuronal nets and these perineuronal nets provide scaffolding for neurons. And the perineuronal nets are made up of proteins and sugar and they form a really supportive mesh around neurons and help stabilize the contact between these cells and other neurons. A study done by Dr. Thomas Byrne from the University of Queensland removed vitamin D from a diet of healthy young adult mice and the control group continued to receive vitamin D after 20 weeks, which is 5 months by the way. The vitamin D deficient group showed a significant decline in their ability to remember and learn compared to the control group. The brain showed a pronounced reduction in the perineuronal nets in the hippocampus, and we know that the hippocampus is the reason crucial to memory and learning. And there's also a pronounced reduction in both the number and strength of connections between neurons, which are called synapses, as you know. Loss of function in the hippocampus may contribute to the severe memory deficits and distorted perception that people with schizophrenia experience as about 70% of people with schizophrenia have insufficient vitamin D. As neurons in the hippocampus lose their supportive perineuronal nets, they may have trouble maintaining connections in the brain between neuron and neuron, which ultimately leads to a loss of cognitive functions. Vitamin D has been proved to have many potent effects on metabolic health, psychiatric conditions and mood but much about vitamin d still remains to be established as more research is required to study those vitamins affecting a variety of other disease models so that's all i have for you today i'm gonna leave you with the same message i leave you in every single one of our dear heart in the brain podcast episodes keep that brain sharp keep that heart healthy and go dominate Thank you so much for your time and attention, and above all, thank you for your interest in science.